Coming up on Stu Does America. So, journalism is dead. It was struck by someone driving 200 miles an hour on a NASCAR track. No big deal. <laughs> we'll get through it. Manhattan Institute's Brian Riedel reminds us that even though we're still in the middle of a raging pandemic, we've got a massive debt problem to take care of as well. <laughs> Real glass half full guy, Brian is. And Jason Buttrell from the Glenn Beck Program tells us where the money donated to Black Lives Matter is really going. Spoiler, not going to improve black lives. You can watch Glenn's big special on BLM tonight by going to blazetv.com slash stew. Make sure to use the code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. If you're on podcast, do me a favor. Please take a second to rate this show with five beautiful stars. Give it the quickest of reviews. It's great. Whatever. It's fine. And if you're on YouTube, click the thumbs up button to indicate you like this video. Why? To defeat the YouTube algorithm robots. The algobots must be destroyed and we need your help. And thanks to everyone who subscribed on YouTube. After only a couple months of shows, we've just crossed the 25,000 subscriber mark. You guys are all great. Whatever. Next up, we're coming after you, Dude Perfect. Yeah, we see you. We see you, Dude Perfect. Just 51.875 million subscribers to go. I better get pretty good at flipping water bottles. Stu does America. Let's uh, start today with a tip about how to read the news. If you hear a story about a waitress who, let's say, happens to be a lesbian and then gets stiffed on a tip and receives an insulting or threatening message about her sexual orientation on the credit card receipt, it is a hoax 105% of the time. I only say 105% because there is a margin of error and it might only be as high as 100% of the time. People don't write threatening, racist, or homophobic messages on receipts, especially when their name is on it and they just gave the person their credit card number. Just doesn't happen. Every time it's in the news, we later find out that the waitress wrote it herself. Now, maybe I'm generalizing a tad, but you get the point. It's that brand of story, the Islamophobic receipt. The white supremacist Trump praising graffiti. The person who was attacked and had a message carved into their skin. And yes, Jesse Smollett. Incidents with random nooses. They almost always turn out to be hoaxes. I guess sometimes they're trolls, sometimes they're misunderstandings, but they're basically never what the media says they are. Knowing that background, you won't be surprised that immediately upon hearing about the Bubba Wallace noose incident, I started with a bit of skepticism. But this wasn't some local news story that no one checked out. This was everywhere. Here was the initial tweet from Bubba Wallace. Today's despicable act of racism and hatred leaves me incredibly saddened and serves as a painful reminder of how much further we have to go as a society and how persistent we must be in the fight against racism. Over the last several weeks, I've been overwhelmed by the support from people across the NASCAR industry, including other drivers and team members in the garage. Together, our sport has made a commitment to driving real change and championing championing a community that is accepting and welcoming of everyone. Nothing is more important, and we will not be deterred by the reprehensible actions of those who seek to spread hate. As my mother told me today, they are just trying to scare you. This will not break me. I will not give in, nor will I back down. I will continue to proudly stand for what I believe in. And they had the little devil horns rock and roll hand emoji. Okay. 
I'm not a big NASCAR guy, uh, to be honest. But it's my impression that everyone pretty much loves Bubba Wallace. Uh, it seemed that way, certainly, at the race this weekend. Um, I mean, you know, look, everyone's walking with him. It's, it's, it looks fantastic, you know? Everyone's kind of in this big moment of unity. This is a big deal in the middle of a time of racial strife in our country. Yesterday afternoon, I heard an interview, seriously, on a sports station where they called this the most powerful moment in the history of sports. You can be excused for simply believing it was true after this reaction. They wouldn't react like that if there was a question, right? Well, almost immediately afterwards, everyone from hardcore NASCAR fans to conspiracy theorists started pointing out, uh, hey guys, those, like, those knots, that they've always been on those doors, like back in 2016. I remember seeing them, and, and then in 2017... There was little, little knots on the garage doors in 2018, and there they are again, and, and then in 2019. And in fact, when you look at the garage door where Bubba Wallace had his car, as you can clearly see, uh, it, it has been removed. The, the knot had been removed at some point within the last year. And everyone kind of figured this out quickly. Here's the problem. A noose is not defined as thing to kill black people with. It's defined as a loop with a slipknot that binds closer the more it is drawn, which makes it ideal for, let's say, a garage pull-down. If you watch this stupid show, you might remember the point from last week that I made. It's not the act, it is the intent that matters. It's the motivation that counts. A noose is not bad just because it's a noose. Uh, If it's being used to be Pull down a door, it's not bad. It's a bad thing when it's designed to intimidate or kill people. Yes, this shouldn't be this hard. Yet it does seem to be incredibly difficult for so many media organizations, like, for example, CNN. Yesterday, they posted an explainer about what a noose is as part of their coverage of the NASCAR incident that wasn't. After parenthetically updating the story with a note that explained its entire premise was false, It included links to a supposed rash of nooses being left around the country. It included this line. Last week, what appeared to be several nooses were found hanging from trees in Oakland, California. This story from CNN was written a full five days after the ropes in the trees in Oakland were discovered to be placed there as part of an exercise equipment for use during the quarantine. They had been there for weeks at least and had been placed there by a black man. Who said so? On the record. Yet almost a week later, it's part of the mounting evidence of hate crimes sweeping America. Now, let's be understanding and generous for just a second. Bubba Wallace reportedly never even saw the noose in question, although he later said he did, but whatever, who knows at this point. In the middle of this insane climate, some oversensitive pit crew member sees something he thinks is targeting his guy in some horrific way. He jumps the gun and then it escalates and escalates until it becomes the greatest moment in the history of sports. Then the Internet debunks it and so does the FBI with surveillance video. So great news, right? I mean, the racism we thought existed didn't exist. Let's chalk it up to a big misunderstanding and move on with our lives. Right, everyone? Of course not. Here's Bubba Wallace on with Don Lemon. I've been racing all my life. I've, we've, we've raced out of hundreds of garages that uh, never had garage pools like that. So people that want to call it a garage pool and put out old videos and photos of, of, of knots being um, 
in, uh, in, in, in their, as their evidence. Go ahead. I mean, I think using photos and videos of the exact place you said it occurred is kind of a good way to decipher what happened, right? This interview, this interview actually got so strange, it even threw Don Lemon. So what are you saying here? Are you, do you, are you saying that you uh, don't believe? Do you, do you believe that it was huh? intended for you in, in that way? Or are you what? What are you saying here? It, it was a noose. It was a noose that was either whether tied in 2019 or, or whatever. It was a noose. So it wasn't directed me, but somebody tied a noose. That's what I am saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it is a noose. Uh huh. I mean, even Don Lemon thinks this is nuts. Don Lemon does not question accusations of racism. This is like Homer Simpson becoming critical of Duff beer. It just doesn't happen. Now, Bubba Wallace has found himself in the middle of a national racial controversy. This isn't the time you make your most sensible and sober judgments. Maybe that's something the country as a whole might consider a little bit right now as well. Hmm. But the problem isn't Bubba Wallace. It's our entire society. The reason this accelerated from zero to KKK in three seconds is because we are looking for racism everywhere we go. We act as if we're Indiana Jones on an archaeological adventure to hunt down some ancient artifact by any means necessary. We have so programmed our society to assign racism as the cause for every bad thing, we are incapable of seeing anything else. To a hammer, everything is a nail. We see this in politics all the time. Why don't you like Barack Obama? Oh, racism. Why don't you want open borders? Racism. Why don't you like affirmative action? Racism. Let me give you one that a lot of people, even in this audience, probably haven't considered. Is there one shred of evidence, one shred, that racism was the cause of George Floyd's murder? As opposed to horrible police work or generalized violence or any number of other factors. As you probably know by now, more whites are killed by police in this country than blacks. What were the cause of those killings? Racism is real, of course, but it's also severely limited in this country at this time. Things are better than they've ever been, full stop. But calling everyone and everything racist is the type of thing that, you know, those seeking political power don't just give up on because it's not true. It's better that you just understand the rules and live by those rules. That's why we created a song to remind you. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Yes, 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 everything is racist. People who see everything as racist all the time, and when they are proven wrong, just double down and act even more aggrieved. That's the way we do it. The best example of this might be former ESPN host Jamel Hill, uh, who was let go from her job at SportsCenter because of her extreme allergy about talking about sports. She was then gifted a job at The Undefeated, a website that exists solely to tell you that everything is racist. Now she's somewhere else. The Atlantic, maybe? I don't know. Who cares? Uh, Her nonsense is always there on Twitter for us to consume if we want it. After days of calling NASCAR racist, then being proved embarrassingly wrong, she just keeps digging the hole deeper. It was a noose. They just don't believe it was directed at Bubba Wallace. I know facts nor context is your strong suit, but do try to keep up. Oh, 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 it's us that that need to keep up here. We know it wasn't directed at Bubba Wallace because it was directed at a garage door. 
Then the eternally aggrieved Hill tweeted this. I swear I'm not going to spend this day explaining to people that a NASCAR official was the one who found the news, reported it, and then a NASCAR, and a NASCAR released a public statement. It wasn't the media or Bubba Wallace. Well, it was widely reported that it was part of his pit crew, uh, but that's not really important. It wasn't, it wasn't the media who discovered it, but it was their job to ask some basic questions about it instead of just hashtagging BLM and calling their black friend to tell them how tolerant they were. Who needs the intersectional parody Twitter account Titiana McGrath when you have Jamel Hill? We just have a society full of Jamel Hills right now. Wherever you need something innocuous to be turned into something racist, Jamel Hill is there because everything is racist. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacy is extreme. Now, will that song get stuck in your head? Probably. Do you want to be singing out loud about the KKK and white supremacists? Probably not. It's just a safety tip. To Bubba Wallace's credit, he did release a much better statement after having a little time to think about it and possibly giving the password to his Twitter account to his PR firm. Quote, it's been an emotional few days. First off, I want to say how relieved I am that this investigation revealed that this isn't what we feared it was. I want to thank my team, NASCAR and the FBI, for acting swiftly and treating this as a real threat. I think we'll gladly take a little embarrassment over what the alternatives could have been. Make no mistake, some, though some will try, this should not detract from the show of unity we had on Monday and the progress we've made as a sport to become more welcoming environment for all. This is a good outcome, and I'm glad Bubba Wallace finally sees it that way. Yet Jamel Hill is still going to Jamel Hill. So many people uh, uh, have you know, their entire identity wrapped up in victimhood. They have assigned a massive part of their personal value to this fantasy that everyone is targeting black people over their race. Of course people get targeted. This does happen on occasion, but when it does, it happens to all different kinds of people. Blacks, Asians, Jews, Muslims, Christians, and everyone else. Yes, sometimes things feel terrible. In these situations, you always have to stop and ask yourself a simple question. Terrible as compared to what? Is this a racist country? Well, as compared to perfection, yes. As compared to God, yes. As compared to other countries, at any other point in history, no. We are not a racist country. We're doing this thing better than it's ever been done. Instead of me rambling on about this, let's hear from Dr. Vody Bacham. I'm never going to be able to pronounce his name right, but Vody Bacham, who uh, is the Dean of Theology at African Christian University in Zambia. There's two things that I know. Number one, black people in America are the freest and most prosperous black people in the world. Period. Bar none. The second thing is this. People outside of America think that we are the most oppressed people in the world. And, and people actually think that things like George Floyd are happening every day, that they're not an anomaly, but that they're commonplace. And the reputation has uh, outside of our borders, it sickens me and it saddens me, but also the reputation that black people have that somehow we are weak and impotent and that we can't do or be anything unless white people do it for us, which, by the way, is kind of racist. I, I believe <laughs> that by race, I am a descendant of some of the strongest people in the history of the world. 
That's a message of empowerment. Being invested in this horrible narrative that everyone is out to get you is not healthy. And it's also the opposite of Jamel Hill's old employer's name. And I realize I have to narrow that down for you. It's the opposite of the undefeated. It's the defeated. What we were told is every white person is a racist. A strange accusation considering the fact that if you make it, you are generalizing an entire race with a negative stereotype, the exact definition of racism. At the end of the day, where we thought racism existed, we learned that it didn't. And we also learned that if racism did exist, that NASCAR wouldn't engage in it or ignore it. They would rally around the black driver unanimously. You might think that you should, I don't know, maybe this should give you a little hope. This basically worked as an experiment. What would happen if there were a racist event like this? And NASCAR performed pretty well. Or did they? Because even a lack of racism can be racist. Why? Well, everything is racist. Everything is racist. Every thought you have is a KKK dream. Everything is racist. White supremacist extreme. So are you going back to work yet? We all wanted the economy to open up, and now you're stuck back in the office again with that terrible coffee. Congratulations, you did it. You don't have to live that life. You don't have to do that. Get Black Rifle Coffee delivered right to your office or your home if you're still telecommuting. Black Rifle Coffee is a veteran-owned company. They are operating uh, a premium small batch uh, outfit, roast-to-order coffee company for people who love America. They import only the highest quality beans from around the world, and they always roast to order. All Black Rifle Coffee Company blends are available in whole bean and ground varieties. They also have most of them uh, for the little roundy things that you got to stick in the machine if you're lazy, like, like me. Subscribe to the Black Rifle Coffee Club and never run out of coffee again, ever. Choose the amount and the blends that you want. You get a nice discount, plus they ship it free directly to your home or your office every month. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Make sure to use the discount code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show. Plus, you'll get 20% off your first order, including the Black Rifle Coffee Club. It's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash stew. Joining us now, senior fellow of the Manhattan Institute, Brian Riedel is here. Uh, Brian, I've read your story in the Detroit News, um, and it is a freaking horror film. Uh, I, I am, I left it <laughs> terrified. I don't want to go back and see the sequel. I'm too scared. This is, it's incomprehensible. Every t- every other paragraph I read with an open mouth, and I cannot believe what I'm reading. To give you the, to, to start you off here. We're talking about the pandemic adding, we believe, $8 trillion in debt going forward. I mean, how is this? Uh, we'll get to how we're going to deal with this in a minute, but walk me through the $8 trillion. Yeah, so far, Stu, we have spent $2.4 trillion on legislation to address the pandemic. But that's only the beginning of the cost because the reduced GDP, the recession, means we're going to collect about $4 trillion in fewer revenues over the next decade, add about one and a half or $2 trillion in interest, and you get an $8 trillion addition to the national debt. And that's just what we have so far. That's not even counting 
the future pandemic and stimulus bills that seem to be inevitable. So $8 trillion is just where we're at right now for the 10-year cost. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, as we're going, I keep thinking of this, you know, because I've, I've tons of friends who are out of work and they're trying to figure out what they're doing. They're on unemployment. They are uh, taking, uh, you know, they're taking part of this program where you've got the $600 uh, that they're giving extra for uh, the coronavirus sort of bonus, if you will. Um, that ends July 31st. And I have a real skepticism inside of me that believes that that's really going away a few months before an election. That just does not seem possible. Something's going to be extended here. We're going to have several more of these bills. Do we have any idea how much more is coming? The Democrats have already passed a bill in the House to spend an additional $3 trillion. Thankfully, that seems to be dead on arrival in the Republican Senate. However, Republicans are talking about spending as much as $1 trillion right now on more rebates, aid to businesses, even bailouts to state and local governments. So it seems like we're going to be anywhere from one to three trillion. And then if Joe Biden wins the presidency in November, he has already said that if he can be given a Democratic Congress, he's going to go for at least two trillion, if not three trillion dollars more in January and February. So this could end up closer to 12, 13, 14 trillion dollars on top of the baseline deficit, which was already growing out of control even before the pandemic even happened. Yeah, you know, and I, I'm I'm relatively sympathetic to a lot of this, uh, a lot of these programs that are happening right now. And you make this point in the story and that like we can all kind of agree this was a really crazy time and there's all this money going out there. I don't know that there was another alternative that would have protected our economy more. Didn't seem like the Swedish approach did much of anything for them. There's a lot of ways to look at this. But when you talk about all this money coming down, it's not this eight trillion dollars that should really infuriate people. It's the previous eight trillion dollars when things were going well. Correct. Over the previous decade, we had the longest economic expansion in American history. And during that expansion, we added $8 trillion in debt during a time of prosperity. No excuse for that. Lawmakers were essentially playing Santa Claus. Had we not blown through $8 trillion in debt over the last decade, we'd have more room now. And going forward, um, the baseline deficit is, is unbelievable. We were already facing a baseline deficit of $16 trillion in new borrowing over the decade. Now we're going to borrow $24 trillion over the next decade. How much is that? $168,000 for every household in just new borrowing over the next 10 years. Mm. I mean, it's just completely insurmountable. I, you know, I, 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 uh, you make a great point in the story about interest. And it, you put it in, in, a, in a way, a way mm-hmm. of, you express it in a way that's it's mind blowing here. Even at a three percent interest rate, this eight trillion dollars will be two hundred and forty billion dollars a year. That number means nothing mm-hmm. to anyone. But give them the, the cost of certain programs that have been thrown out there that you could have covered instead of playing, paying interest. These are amazing. Correct. For the $240 billion that we're going to pay just in interest on the pandemic is more than we could have paid for the entire 2017 tax cuts. It's more than the entire free college, student loan forgiveness. All A lot of the Democratic wish list we could have actually paid for with the $240 billion a year. And that's under low interest rates. If interest rates rise up to, say, 4%, 
you're looking at $320 billion a year. And we're going to pay those interest costs every year forever. So you're looking at two to $300 billion every year forever that's going to be carved out of the federal budget, not for the total national debt, just for the portion from the pandemic. I, I, Brian, I mean, I don't, how on earth, I can't even <laughs> say words anymore. This is where I am with this. It's like we're at a time where there is, it seems completely incomprehensible that we could ever, you know, rally and somehow fix this problem. Right. Is it just we just have to hopefully rely on the sort of left wing fever dream that there is no limit? We just hope that eventually we can just keep spending and spending and spending. And this idea that debt is bad and and there's some limit and eventually it, it turns on us. That's just isn't real. And we just have to hope that, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is right. It's like our last resort at this point, it feels like. That's the argument from the left, and that's why they're justifying an even bigger spending spree. The problem is an unsustainable definition by definition, uh, an unsustainable trend by definition cannot be sustained. <laughs> Eventually, when you have a national debt heading towards $40 trillion over the next 10 years, something has got to give. You get to the point where if interest rates rise one or two points, it would bury the federal budget because even a low interest rate on that much debt is going to crowd everything out. I'm 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 very worried about this. The reckoning is going to come. It may be in three years, five years, eight years, ten years. But global economic history is littered with examples of countries that thought the rules of economics didn't apply to them. And eventually the cost is going to come back to us. Do you have any concept of a number you think where this maxes out? Like, what is it? Is it 40 trillion dollars? Is it 50 trillion dollars? Is there is there any any any, uh, you know, academic research that can point to a number where we think this thing falls apart. We don't have a we don't have an exact number, but I can say this in the next couple of years, we are going to pass the debt share of GDP. That was the previous record at the peak of World War Two. <laughs> Thankfully, World War Two ended and the debt came down. This debt's going to keep going. I don't have an exact number, but once you start getting into the next 10 years where the debt starts heading towards 110, 120, 150% of the economy, it, it at that point, something has got to give. And it's as much market psychology. At a certain point, the bond market is going to decide that the U.S. government may not be able to pay this back. They're going to start selling bonds or demanding high interest rates, which is only going to make the debt bigger and cause a panic. When that happens, we don't know, but it will happen at some point. Well, I want to give you every jump scare in this horror film, so I will leave you to read the Detroit News story, <laughs> including the part where we get to over $100 trillion. It's in here. He shows you exactly how it can happen. Brian Riedel, senior, fe- senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute. Uh, it is a scary one, and I don't know how we I don't know I don't know how we fix this one, Brian. You're terrifying me. But thank you so much for coming on the air and uh, and doing that. Where's the best place for people to find you? <laughs> Ma- the Manhattan Institute website. If you just go to the Manhattan Institute, look for Brian Riedel. All of my terrifying, depressing writings are there. <laughs> At least you're owning it. I appreciate it, Brian. Thanks for coming on the program. Back in a second.
So I had a little bit of a craving earlier today. Could have reached for chips or candy bar. Could have done that. Instead, grab for a uh, fast, fast blast smoothie. Uh, these things are great. I snack on them even on days when I'm not doing the dieting thing and not doing the intermittent fasting thing. They're just great to kill a craving. Intermittent fasting is foreign to a lot of people. Uh, you know, fast blast, though, not foreign to them. They're the experts. They will walk through uh, the entire process step by step. Uh, in my experience, it is by far the fastest way to drop those extra pounds, those COVID-19 you need to get rid of. A lot of people do. The Fast Blast smoothie is uniquely formulated for intermittent fasting. And on fasting days, you have one smoothie every couple of hours with lots of liquids, and it helps keep you satisfied. It's, it's not that hard, and you can lose weight really fast. The smoothies come in a convenient and easy-to-use squeezable pouch. No blender, no scales, no calorie or carb counting. Lose weight fast, and it will come off. Uh, it'll come off fast. You'll feel it come off fast with Fast Blast. We always tell you to do your own homework, of course, so learn more about this. Uh, at fastblast.com slash blaze fastblast.com slash blaze make sure to use the slash blaze part of the address why because that's how they know you like this stupid show get started today with fast blast for a healthier and smaller you it's fastblast.com slash blaze hey hey what do you say how is alexandria victim today Yes, it's her defining characteristic. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is always a victim of something. The day is a very interesting case. You know, when you have two opposites coming together, uh, hot air and cold air come together in the sky, you get the big loud thunderclap or lightning or whatever the heck happens up there. Then you have like oil and water and they ca- it just doesn't work, right? This is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez versus MIT. Like, you know, the smart person school. This is going to be a tough one. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, of course, tweeted the other day about uh, K-pop and um, TikTok and all of these things that you shouldn't know anything about, um, trying to claim that that was the reason why Trump's rally was poorly attended uh, in Tulsa. Nothing to do with a you know, global pandemic. It was more about the kids on the TikTok. Anyway, uh, MIT Technology Review wrote an article, and uh, I would say AOC got OK boomered. That's what I would say happened. Um, they say uh, <laughs> these narratives suggest uh, that some, to some that TikTok and K-pop heroes will save America from Trump by being better at the Internet than anyone else. It's a story that began building weeks ago when, when, uh, when people were praised for jumping into the Black Lives Matter thing. But as with all myths, it's more complicated than that. It goes on to say the heroic narrative means that K-pop Stands and TikTok teens are fast becoming to liberals what 4chan is to older Trump supporters, an army of anonymous internet warriors who love to praise, uh, who, who they love to praise but don't really understand. Again, AOC doesn't understand. It's a myth. It says again later on uh, that it's a myth. She kind of just got slammed, honestly. The whole article is basically AOC doesn't understand what she's talking about, which is true in all cases we've found over the years. Uh, and that, of course, is how Alexandra is a victim today. Hey, hey, what do you say? How is Alexandria a victim today? So let's take a quick peer uh, into, huh, look around the corner, huh? Oh, it looks like we're going to look into Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's vision of the world. In Wisconsin, a uh, state senator went up to take a picture of um, them trying to protest at a statue. Apparently, the people protesting um, didn't like it all that much and uh, beat the crap out of him. Now, this guy's a Democrat who's taking a picture of this protest in a favorable, trying to present it in a favorable light and was beat to holy hell. He's 60 years old, tried to get it back, tried to go back to the Capitol building. This is what happened. This is him. He literally was on the way back and just passed out in the bushes. 
Now, you, normally you'd see a politician pass out in the bushes. You think it's a Kennedy. But no, this is a guy from Wisconsin who just had the crap beat out of him by protesters. He's pretty pissed off about it. Um, usually what happens is you get this sort of like wuss statement of like, I, I understand their anger. And uh, he's just actually pissed off. He's 60 years old and he got beat up. Got beat to a pulp for no freaking reason. He just took a picture. Uh, and, of course, uh, he did. He looks like he's going to be okay, but he uh, had some major problems, uh, bumps and bruises, uh, possible broken nose, some other things uh, happened to him. Um, and let me give you this quick. We only have about 30 seconds, but Mount Rushmore, that's the new thing. They want to get rid of Mount Rushmore. Now, I'm not a huge Mount Rushmore guy, frankly, when it comes to U.S. monuments. Uh, you know, there's, I just, it's not my favorite. But still, it's pretty impressive. Don't think we should get rid of it. The thing I love about this story, though, is the, uh, is the at the end, the little uh, correction. It says, editor's note, the headline and URL of the story have been updated. We do not condone violence in any shape or form. And the use of, use of blow up in the original headline as a rhetorical device was misguided and insensitive. We, insensitive. we apologize for the error. Trying to sell your home is challenging. That's why you need a real estate agent who's going to come in and take charge of the situation. Need the house painted. Uh, well, here's who you talk to. Need to replace those stairs in the backyard. Got the phone number right here. Uh, we're going to dial it right now. How about the roof repair? I know a guy, the best guy. He's going to come and do it the right way. That's what real estate agents can do for you. Real Estate Agents I Trust is Glenn's company, and he created it because basically he was going through a situation with real estate that he did not appreciate all that much, did not work out well for him, and decided, is there no way to screen through people like this? How do we figure out who the best agents are and who the worst agents are? Well, Real Estate Agents I Trust has done that work for you already. You can rest assured that you're going to be in the hands of a capable team of people who will see your selling process through from the day you interview them until the moment you sign on the dotted line. Same goes for buying a home. When you choose your agent through Real Estate Agents I Trust, you partner yourself uh, in a competitive winning, you know, this is, this is what they like to say. They partner yourself with a competitive winning machine, a team of people who are going to see it through to the end for you. It's true, though. Realestateagentsitrust.com. It's easy. It's fast. The name kind of says it all. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Jason Buttrell, he's the head writer of the Glenn Beck program, joins me now. Glenn's newest special premieres immediately after this stupid show. Uh, this week, it's Million Dollar Question for Black Lives Matter. Jason, I know you put a lot of hours in tonight's special uh, scale of one to ten. How depressed are you right now? <laughs> um, you know, not as depressed as if you actually donated to Black Lives Matter. Now, if you donated to yeah. Black Lives Matter and you watch the special, you're going to be about a tw tw probably a twelve on the ten <laughs> scale on this. Yeah, because I mean, look, Black Lives Matter to is is different things to different people. To talk radio people, to Blaze subscribers. Uh, to people who listen to conservative podcasts, you know Black Lives Matter as an organization that has all sorts of Marxist leanings, that their heads have come out and said, outwardly, I'm a trained Marxist, um, that they, their list of demands is suspiciously similar to Occupy Wall Street's demands. It's just another front organization for hardcore progressivism slash socialism. If you are a normal person on the street, however, a normal person who's in their office every day, not not listening, not maybe not that informed, maybe like the Kardashians a little too much. <laughs> you think of Black Lives Matter, meaning I like black people. They shouldn't be they shouldn't be shot in the street. They shouldn't be strangled, which we all agree with. But that's how people see it. So they're taking their money and they're saying, you know what? I want to help these people. They shouldn't be. No one should have a, a knee on their neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. Here's some money to Black Lives Matter. What's going on with it? 
Yeah, uh, that's the danger is because the vast majority of people don't know they're Marxists. You know, they, they don't they don't know that. And the vast majority of the people, I think uh, in one day we were reading from this was disclosures or just media comments that, mm -hmm. that BLM executives were saying they were ma making multi-million dollar uh, thresholds a day. I think on their blackout media campaign was at $10 million Jeez. just that day that they were bringing in. Um, and again, it sounds good. I, hey, I agree that black lives ma you know, matter. Of course. Um, I don't agree with the organization, but everyone agrees that mm -hmm. you know, people's lives matter. Um, but when you take a look at, and before we get into that, it's, it's become absolutely absurd that you cannot criticize this group. I know. You can't do it. They have risen above accountability. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely insane. What was, it, what was that uh, latest poll? 62% favorability rating. That's insane. insane. If there was a Black Lives Matter politician, they'd be the next uh, president of the United States at that favorability. That's almost as, as favorable as the military for crying out loud. Yeah. So um, it's, it's, it's just utterly ridiculous that we're not allowed. So what, we're, what we've done for tonight is we're not putting this out how we usually do. We usually put it out on Facebook, uh, YouTube, everything. Mm -hmm. We're not going to give them the opportunity to, you know, to shut us down. This is only going on on the on Blaze TV network exclusively. Mm. And I think for good reason, because when you watch this show, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, you know this. And I, I fully expect us to to come after us on this somehow. But we started off, I was talking on your show last week a little bit, looking into Act Blue and uh, this, you know, liberal pass through. But then as I looked through the, you know, the money trail on this, I found that, well, not only are they using that money pass through, but the money then doesn't really go to Black Lives Matter. <laughs> it goes to another pass through. What is going on here? man? How liberals like to say dark money, you know, yeah. those evil Koch brothers, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? They're, they're, they're doing the same thing, but they're funding the destruction of the American way of life, basically. It's some scary stuff. When I looked at uh, that pass-through that, that goes after Act Blue, before we even go into uh, Black Lives Matter, we found out that Black Lives Matter is getting a fraction of the amount. I'm talking millions are being withheld mm. from Black Lives Matter, and there's no transparency on it at all. I don't, we don't know, and no one knows, because they don't, they're not required to be transparent about it, where it's going. Yeah, and we actually kind of act like if it went to Black Lives Matter, it would be a good thing. When in reality, <laughs> it's not, right? I mean, it's it, because they're not doing the things uh, that the typical person who's donating to Black Lives Matter wants them to do, fight against racism, fight, fight for people's rights. They're doing all sorts of weird socialist stuff, I, I wish as, they, as they, by the way, claim themselves. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly, in their own words. I wish I had the figures in front of me right now. But the, the, again, like I said, a fraction of the amount actually gets to BLM. Mm -hmm. But the actual small amount that does get to BLM, I think it's 80 to 88% is spent on salaries, consulting fees <laughs> and travel <laughs> so they're like giving they're getting these awesome salaries they're flying off to hawaii you know i want to feel bad for these people who are donating but i just can't <laughs> i'm sorry right. i i i want it to go all to parties that's what, what I sucks. so i think the, the majority of the people that are are donating to them want it to go to black communities yeah. i can totally get behind that yeah. i would love to find an organization that is actually giving money to some of these some of these businesses that have been destroyed in the riots in the black communities yeah. i would give money to totally. that totally totally um but the local chapters of BLM, the ones that are in those communities, only 6% of the full take that Black Lives Matter gets goes to those communities. Unreal. 6%. You know what this reminds me of is the Women's March. The same thing happened where everyone was like, well, of course we like women. Women are great. Women are, it's, you know, it's a, they're important and the glass ceiling and, and things like that. 
And then we find out afterwards, like, they had this big meeting where they were just basically bashing Jews and, like, all yeah. this really crazy things going. They use these causes as a way to funnel money to themselves, uh, which is which is really frustrating. Um, I, I want to go, though, uh, and we got all the details. That's coming up tonight. Go to blazetv.com slash stew. Use the promo code stew because that's how they know you like this stupid show and you'll save 10 bucks. And I will say, too, uh, I shouldn't be telling you this, but if you do, what is it, fight fight the mob, I think, is the, is the hashtag, or is the uh, promo code? I think you yeah. get 20 bucks off tonight only. So, I mean, you know, you can totally abandon me and whatever. Just, you know, sign up under that and save an extra 10 bucks. <laughs> like, that's really important, you rich people out there. Um, but I will say, uh, uh, I want to go to the Flynn thing, because yeah. this is something you've been following closely. Flynn, Peter Strzok, a lot of new stuff coming out in that world. And there's been so many things going on. I have honestly haven't seen too much on these latest developments. Can you walk us through them? Yeah. So let's start at the top. Uh, so the so the appeals court finally said, hey, to this crazy judge, throw the case out. This case is trumped up from the beginning. This is basically what the judges are saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, trumped up by the FBI. In many cases, they were actually altering documents and emails to try and make him look more guilty. Um, but And Susan Rice was sort of in on that, it seems like, right? Right. Well, I mean... There's a lot more to come out on Susan Rice. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's a problem with this case in general. I think most people are confused on it because it's like, th- think if you just walked up to one of Glenn's shockboards, mm-hmm. you know, after a show and you just looked at a sliver of it, you'd be like, what in the holy heck is that? Right. You would not know. So we're getting slit slivers of, of chalkboards, basically. This sliver right here with, a, with, a, with Peter Strzok, and this just came out, I think, yesterday, were his handwritten notes from a meeting in the Oval Office. And this is the one that Susan Rice, you know, memorialized mm-hmm. that they were going by the book. Um, but it was a January 5th, 2017 um, uh, meeting in the Oval Office. Peter Strzok was there and he wrote little handwritten notes on it. Now, there's been many different, you know, accounts of what went on there. But... I want you to consider the timeline on this. this is January 5th. On January 4th, just the day before, the FBI, the head of the Crossfire Hurricane investigation, mm-hmm. said, hey, this is, we're, not, we're not looking into uh, General Flynn anymore. He is you know, in- inconsequential. He did nothing wrong with Kislyak. Not only that, but we're throwing him out of the entire scope of the investigation to begin with. We're shutting it down. The very next day, they're in the Oval Office. And you have a few things that are said, as per these notes. One, you have President Obama himself saying, look into this and put the right people on it. Now, I'm sure he would defend that and say, what I meant was the right people, the people, the most competent we have, the, the <laughs> most trustworthy we have. Within the FBI, that's going to have a hard time finding them, yeah. it appears, <laughs> yeah. within the leadership, yeah. not the lower levels. Yeah. Um, but, um, but put the right, what are we supposed to think about that? Does yeah. the right people mean competent or does that mean Trump haters? Right. It appears Trump gonna, haters. The people who are going to find the right stuff. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and again, in context, the FBI has already told him there's nothing, there's no there there. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, but in those notes, Director Comey himself in these notes says, hey, those uh, Kislyak Trump call or uh, Kislyak uh, General Flynn calls, it's legit. That's a direct quote. Mm. Legit. So it's Comey saying, hey, what do you want me to find here, basically? Yeah, interesting. It's legit. I will say, too, I, you know, I was, I'm reading the Bolton book to kind of see if, what I could understand and what I could take out of that. One of the first things Bolton says in there is that uh, Trump was, I, I believe his word was exonerated from the Russia accusa- accusations. I mean, even Bolton is saying that there was nothing there, there. 
Yeah. Uh, pretty interesting, considering it's not exactly a flattering book uh, from Donald Trump. We've got to leave it there. We're out of time. Jason Buttrell, he's the head writer of the Glenn Beck Program. Thanks for stopping by. Again, the uh, new special tonight, uh, 9 p.m., right after the show, Million Dollar Question for Black Lives Matter. Uh, blazetv.com slash stew. Uh, and you can use the promo code to fight the mob, I believe it is, and save yourself 20 bucks. I don't I mean, they don't need your 10 bucks. They're already, Glenn, Glenn, all these people over here, they're too rich already. At some point, you've earned enough money, as Barack Obama used to say. Back in a second. So you're coming out of quarantine, and now all of a sudden people are inviting you to things. Ew. I mean, I didn't want to stay in my house all the time, but I didn't want to be invited to things again. I didn't like that. That's why we created the uh, quarantine T-shirt. It says, uh, sorry, can't make it. Self-quarantined. It's a great excuse for these times. You can get it at stewdoesmerch.com. Stewdoesmerch.com. Avoid the public. It's the best way to go. We'll see you tomorrow.